Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. You've got Him, and He's got you. And that's enough. If there's nothing else... If that was my whole message to you tonight and we just walked off the stage, you'd get all you need right there. You got him and he's got you. But there is more for you tonight and I can't wait to bring it to you. I'm excited to preach tonight. Anyone excited for the word of God? I always just got to gauge where you're at so I can find out how hard I got to work, you know? I got to find out where you're at. Okay, we're going right to it. I'm going to hit you with the title right up front. The title of this message tonight is this. It's The Last Word. The last word. Look at your neighbor and say the last word. Come on, I thought you said you're ready to preach. Say the last word. word. That's right, that's right, the last word. Um, There's a lot to be said in life about the last word. So we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. If you have ever been in a fight, let's make this personal. If you've ever been in a fight with, oh, I don't know, say your lovely, beautiful wife, not a fight, because you know, when you're married, you really don't fight, you're on the same team, but you sure do have moments of um, intensity. Should we call it that? Moments of intensity when you're in a relationship, when you're dating, when you're married too. And I don't know if any of you are petty like me, but I'm petty. I'm real petty. And I always want the last word. So, you know, if we're having a heated discussion, a moment of intensity, and, you know, we just really get in loud and all that stuff. I, you know, I'll walk out and she'll say something. I'll be like, uh-uh. I'll go open that door and get my last word in. I don't know what it is, right? But you know what it's like when you fight with someone and it's like there's something inside of you that just wants to get the last word. Even if it's not good. Even if you're just like, yeah, well, well you stink. You know, like there's something inside of you that just... It's satisfying to get the last word. And I don't know why, but I've been thinking about this, and I think it comes from the point of that we like to be in control. We like to feel in control, and when you feel like you got the last word, you feel like you're winning. You're in control. We're also very competitive. Is there anyone in the room, and if you're with them, just look straight at me. Don't look to your neighbor. Is there anyone in the room who has a friend who's a one-upper? You know what a one-upper is? You know what a one-upper is? Just look straight right now. No eye contact with anyone next to you. I'll give you an example. It's like, you know, you see them, whoever they are, right? And you say, hey, man, I just got back. I had this great trip in Algonquin Park, and I was camping, and it was beautiful. And they're like, oh, really? That's nice. I just got back from Hawaii (laughs) on the beach on a yacht, and I went sailing. But how was your tent? Was that nice? Did you enjoy the tent? Was that good? You know what I'm talking about, the one-uppers? It's like, just let me say my story and be happy for me. Like, I don't need to know about Hawaii. I thought Algonquin was great. Now I think it's trash. Like, don't always be a one-upper. But see, our human nature is that 
that we're competitive, that we want to be in control. And really, truthfully, you know, don't judge that person because it really comes from an inner insecurity that they have, that they got to do that, right, to make themselves feel secure. So you really shouldn't judge them because they're just working through stuff with their Hawaii stories. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that we always want to have the final say. We always have this desire inside to have the last word in every situation. I had a situation in my life. If you've been coming to the river for a long time, I've shared this once or twice, so you may have heard it, but if not, you're going to hear it tonight. Um, the place you're at right now, Canada Christian College, we moved into this building in 2018. So what's that? Five years ago. And before that, for 25 years, we were at Don Mills in Eglinton in Toronto. Any of my Toronto people? Where are you at, Toronto people? Put your hands up. Is Eglinton Avenue still working on herself? Is she complete yet? Or is she there? <laughs> Never stop working on yourself like Eglinton Avenue. That's what I always say, that subway. If you live there, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, that's where we were for 25 years. And, and the college had this big endeavor to up and move from North York, Toronto, to move to Whitby. I'm sure glad we did, because God's been doing some great things out here. Amen? Amen. But it was a big job. And if you know anything about working in ministry, your title don't mean a thing, okay? Like, you might get one title, you do everything. Don't, don't, you think, oh, pastor, he just sits in an office and studies. Yeah, right. Okay, in ministry, you just do what needs to get done. So the night before the campus sold, the old campus, and we moved to this new one, we had to have the whole place empty. So you could have been an accountant, you could have been a pastor, you were now a mover. That was your title, and that was what you did. So it's 11.30 p.m. at night, and we are on the very last push to move. This is on a Sunday night we're working, guys. This is what ministry's like. And it's almost midnight, and me and my friend Andrew, we were just going through the place and doing a final inspection to make sure it was all empty. We didn't forget anything, not going to get a fine the next day or anything like that. And we see this big old glass wall. It's like eight feet long by about four feet high. It's truly like a glass panel, like a wall. And it was hidden behind a door, so nobody saw it. And we're like, oh, I guess we've got to move it. We said it would be vacant. So we picked this thing up, and it's heavy, guys. This is old. It's heavy. So I pick up the front of it. I got it like this. Andrew, my boy, is at the back, and he's got it. And we get all the way to the elevator, because we had an elevator on the fifth floor of this building. Uh, the old campus, and we get there, and unfortunately, one of us, it slips, and, and we drop it. And the glass, I'm in the front like this, carrying it, you know, right here. So the glass is in my right hand, like you see. And it hits the ground, and this whole glass wall shatters. And what I did know is it was old glass, probably from like the 60s or the 70s. Glass today is tempered, and it's encased. So if it shatters, you know, you see that big shatter mark, but it generally stays together. This was not tempered glass. This was thick, solid glass, and it shattered. And it made this big crash and this big noise. And I looked down after it shattered at my hand, and I had this cut on my hand. And I was like, oh, man. I got a cut on my hand now. This is inconvenient. And I look back at my friend Andrew, and he was as white as a piece of paper. And I'm like, why is he looking like that? And then I look down, and I'm in like an eight-foot puddle of blood. And my right leg from here down, everything but the bone, y'all, was just gone. I won't give you the rest of the details, but it was gnarly, as a surfer would say. It was nasty. Tendons severed, all of them. Boom, I see the blood, I'm gone. That's it, okay? Your pastor's not that tough. I'm gone. They rushed me to a hospital. It's pretty serious. Can't wait on an ambulance. I'm losing so much blood. I get to the hospital, 
they get me in. I don't know. I'm in and out of consciousness. And they operate on me to try to contain the bleeding and save my life. And they do. And I get a good doctor. And he does 155 stitches on my lower right leg. And I'm awake for most of it, which wasn't fun. And my wife, Lindsay, was there watching the whole thing, like inspecting the guy as he did it, like a good wife. And um, at the end, he says, okay, I'm all done. And, and I start to ask him some questions, and I'm loopy. I'm not really in it. And I'm like, well, you know, what does this mean? Like, um, you know, how long will my recovery be? I play a lot of sports. I really want to get back to sports. And he goes, son, no, 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 you don't understand. You're never playing sports again. He says, in fact, you will be very fortunate if you, don't, if you ever walk again. He said, everything in there is gone. I just stitched you up. I couldn't repair the tendons. They're all cut. And he stitched me up with the tendons still severed inside of my leg. And he said, yeah, you'll be, you're never going to walk at least without extreme limp ever again, even when these recover. Guys, that word that I received in that moment crushed me. If you know anything about me, I play basketball on Fridays. I play soccer on Wednesdays. I play golf. Sports are my life. It's my outlet. It's what I do. And now I find out I'm not going to walk again. This was a very low moment for me. But how many know that even the best doctors, they don't get the final say? How many know that there is a great physician who is still seated on the throne? And I'm not saying anything about, this guy was amazing and he was kind and he was just telling me his opinion. He was a great professional, I'm thankful for him. But I got a second opinion and I got another surgery four days later. And that surgeon said, no, 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 we can repair these. It's a hard surgery, but we'll find how to do it. And he repaired all the tendons that were severed in my lower leg. And he said, look, Ryan, you're not going to walk maybe for a year, but if you put in the work, you're going to get back. Well, guess what? Today, I'm jumping up and down. I got a soccer game tomorrow night. You know what I found out that night? That the doctor doesn't get the last word. The Lord gets the last word. In every situation, he always gets the final word say. That's the laughy, laughy, clappy point part of that story. But if you were in my head after hearing that word, man, I went to a low place. I had some real negative thoughts. My thoughts were attacking me. And guys, that's life. Your thoughts are going to attack you sometimes. When you go through hard seasons, your thoughts are going to attack you. It doesn't mean you're broken. It just means that life is hard. But what I want to preach on tonight and tell you your thoughts might attack you. That might happen. But the last word that you hang on to, that you cling to, when everything is falling apart, when your mind is attacking you, what that last word is that you hold on to is important. Who has the last word is very, very important. So my question for you tonight is this. Who gets the last word in your life? Who gets the last word in your heart? Who gets the last word in your mind? Is it the enemy? Oh, because he's in there. You trust me. The enemy, that's his playing ground. He wants to get in that head and give you all kinds of thoughts. Is it someone else? Is it what your parents say? Is that the final say? Not all of us have great family dynamics. Is it what, what someone spoke over you? Did you accept that and hold on to that? Or how about this one? Even is it you? Is it the things that you think about yourself that you has, have adopted as the last word over your life? It's a question that we all have to answer. Who gets the last word in our life? Is it you? Is it the enemy? Or is it him? Is it he that gets the last word? 
regardless of what your answer to that question is, there is a true fact, whether we like it or not, God always gets the last word. God gets the last word. And you don't have to just trust my testimony. In fact, it's in the Word of God. The last chapter of the entire Bible, the book of Revelation, literally his last words to us in the Bible, chapter 22, verse 13, says this. He says, I am the Alpha. Come on, somebody. I am the Omega. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha. That means he is the beginning, and his, he is the omega. That means he is the end of your story. He started it, and guess what? He will be the one that finishes it every single time. So no matter what your question was, you've got to understand and come to terms with the fact that God always has the last word. That verse 13 preaches real nice, but it's not that easy. If we really break it down, that God is the alpha and the omega— it's not so easy. So let's start. Let's dive in. God is the alpha. What does that mean? That means that God was the beginning, that he started it. For me, that's the easy part. I have no problem believing that. Another hat I wear is that I'm a professor here at Canada Christian College. I teach a lot of things, but right now I'm teaching philosophy, introduction to Christian worldview. It's an awesome class. So I'm going to take you there for a moment, and I'm not even going to charge you tuition. You don't even have to become a builder to get this, okay? This is where I start everyone in Introduction to Christian Worldview. I make sure that they accept the fact that God is the Alpha. And I do it here. I put up this picture on the screen in my class. And I show them this simple, seemingly random image, and I ask them what it is. Most people say it's a barn or a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Most people would say it's dilapidated, it's old, that someone hasn't been taking care of it. And then, I won't do it now, don't worry, I'm not going to put you to sleep. I spend 20 minutes trying my hardest to convince them that that barn had no designer and had no builder. That no one built that barn, that it is just there and it just happened by accident. And y'all, I go through it. See the forest in the background right there, that little forest in the side? I start explaining to them, lightning hit a tree and split that tree. And just by happenstance, it, it formed a two-by-four. And then a hurricane began, and the hurricane brought the two-by-four all the way over to the foundation line of where it is. And then you won't believe it, 100 million years, another tree was struck, and another two-by-four went all the way over there and landed on top of it. But uh-oh, wind came and blew it down. So now it has to restart and restart. And I go through this, and just like you were laughing at me, they always laugh at me. And they belittle me. It's rude. But I go through it anyway. And then they start pointing out stuff. They're like, Professor, that's got windows. It's got a peaked roof to have positive drainage for water flow. That means someone designed it. They start bringing out the complexities of that building as proof that there is a designer and someone built it. Do you know how complex you are versus that old, nasty, dilapidated barn? And this world wants you to believe that you came out of nothing? and that there was no designer, that no one designed any of this, and it just happened? That's hard to believe. I don't have that kind of faith, guys. I really don't. So for me, this God is the alpha stuff. That's easy. That's light work. I know. I go outside, and, and I, I see nature. I see God all over it. Do you know that your human DNA in your body 
If it was printed on a sheet of paper, a really, really long sheet of paper, that paper would go all the way to the moon and back just with the DNA in your body. And if there is one minute change to that, you look different, you think different, you act different. That is so much more complex than a nasty old barn that you saw up on the screen. Yet this world would have you believe today that God is not the alpha, that it just happened. Okay, so I'll park there. I think, I think you're with me. God is the alpha. That's the easy part, the harder part. What I came to preach to you on tonight is that God is not just the alpha. God is the omega. He is not just the beginning of your story, my friends. He is the end. He always has the final say in our lives. God being the omega means that in every circumstance, in every situation, in every storm that you go through, in every trial that you are in, he is the one that gets the last word. Always. And the best part, if that doesn't get you excited, is this, that he is good and he is for you and he is not against you. And if you will wait to see how he is going to use it, he will bless you and work it for your good. Does that not get you excited, River? Come on. You can still praise the Lord while the preaching's going on. I won't tell your pastor on Sunday. I'll tell him you behaved, okay? You don't have to behave here. This is different. You can praise him during the sermon. Hear me when I say this. The devil cannot destroy the promises of God on your life. He can't. He's absolutely powerless to destroy the promises of God on your life. And some of you were clapping, but were some of you, you've been living your life and you go, Pastor, I don't know. I'm not so sure. I've been feeling it. What you've got to get tonight is that he cannot stop the promises. He can only do this. He can discourage. He can deceive. And he can try to distract you enough that you don't see it. He can discourage, he can deceive, and he can distract. But this message tonight is for the discouraged people. You don't have to put your hand up because I won't put you on the spot like that. I wouldn't do it. But I'll open up to you. I don't mind. This last week, I was very discouraged. I was working through some stuff, and I was discouraged. You don't think pastors get discouraged. We do. We're not perfect people. I was discouraged this week. When you are discouraged, that is when the enemy comes in and tries to do his work. He doesn't do it when you're up on the mountaintop of faith right here with your hands raised high. No, 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 no. When you're discouraged at 2 a.m. at night, thinking about how everything's going to go wrong, going through your worst-case scenarios, that's when he comes for you. Because when the wound is open, it's susceptible to infection. And he knows that. After God has healed it and it's a scar, it's not. But when the wound is open, he knows he can come in. And that is so often our weakest point. But you got to remember in that season that God can't, God will never allow the devil to destroy the promises that he has spoken on your life. Never. He won't. So, what the devil tries to get you to do, this is important, what the devil tries to get you to do in that discouraging season is this. He tries to get you to label it. He tries to get you to label it, whatever it is, before the Omega has finished that scene and that story. Because he can't stop it from happening. That's not possible. He can't. He doesn't have that kind of power. We give him too much credit. So he just wants, when you're discouraged, for you to slap a label on it and to believe that it's done. That the last word has been spoken and that's done. Would you look at your neighbor and become a preacher for the next five seconds and just yell at him real river loud, don't label it. 
Come on, you can be rude. Don't label it. Oh my gosh, this guy right up here just terrified me. That was so loud. You're going to be a preacher one day. Well done. Don't label it. I didn't even ask you to repeat it, and you did. That's good. You're getting the point. Don't label it. I got a prop. Can someone bring out my prop? Give it up for Jesse. This is a high-stress situation for him. Yeah, Jesse, this is my prop, and you are going, what the heck is that? right now. You have no clue what that thing is. You're going, what the, thank you, Jesse. That was excellent work. You're going, what the heck is that? We don't know yet, but we do know that it's got a lot of labels. <laughs> Caution, danger, heavy, fragile, do not touch, broken. It's got labels all over it. Those are the kind of labels that the devil wants you to put on your story, on your life. He wants you to accept a label like defeated, like done, like broken. He wants you to accept a label like maybe this one, heavy. You've been through some stuff, and now everything's just got to be so heavy. He can't have you knowing that there is one whose burden is light and whose yoke is easy. No, 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 no. He can't have you knowing that, so he's got to get you to stick this on that it's just always got to be heavy. And then he's got other labels he wants you to get. Remember that time you had your heart broken? And someone who was supposed to love you and care for you broke your heart? Now he wants you to take a fragile sticker and put it on your soul. And go, because I was broken once, I'm always going to be broken again. Because I'm fragile, I'm cracked, and I just got to wear that label with me everywhere I go. I'm fragile. See, he's got to get these labels on you because if you won't label it, he loses. But if you can label it, if he can get you to label it, he can start having you believe lies like this, that you are your trauma, that you are your addiction. It's just who you are. You can't break who you are. He wants you to label, label, label until you can't even see what God designed you to be because you're covered in labels. This is the trick of the enemy. But my friends, you got to understand something. To label it, my second point, to label it is to limit it. When you label that it, whatever that experience is that you've gone through, whatever that hardship is that you are going through right now, when you label it, you limit what God can do with it. You limit how he's going to use it. The label is the biggest tool and trick of the devil, but the devil doesn't get to label you because the devil didn't make you. He's not your maker, so he doesn't get to put labels on you that stick. You know I give a lot of grief to people with androids. Where are the android people at? Yeah, you're always loud. You can put an Apple sticker on your android. Guess what? It's still an android because you didn't make it. Go to the Apple store and tell them you want to trade in your iPhone. They'll laugh at you. But why do we take the labels that the devil has put on us and accept them as who we are? He didn't make us. The only one that can make it an iPhone is Apple because they made it. But that's what we do in our lives. We accept his labels. He doesn't get to label it. Hear me when I say this. Nor does he get to disqualify you because of what has happened in your life or happened to you. Someone needs to hear that. He doesn't get to label you. He also doesn't get to disqualify you. 
That kind of thinking, if you adopt that kind of thinking, that's 2023 kind of thinking. It's called cancel culture. You ever heard of that? Don't get scared. I'm not going political, okay? I'm not going political. But cancel culture is this. Because of what you have done in your past, you are canceled. The way Christ works is the exact opposite from that. He says you are not canceled because of your past. Your past is canceled because of your Christ. Come on. Your past is canceled because of your Christ. We got cancel culture in the kingdom too. It just looks a lot different. You're not disqualified because of what has happened to you or what you have done. That's a lie from the enemy. You are covered by the blood. But the devil, he can't have you knowing that the enemy loves to label you. But if we're being honest, people love to label too. People love to label you. But let's get real honest. Let's be mature Christians tonight. I'll come out here and get in your grill for this. Let's be mature Christians tonight. The devil loves to label it. People love to label it. But there's no one that loves to label more than you. More than me. I love to label people that come in my life. I do something even worse than that, though. You know what I do? I love to label myself. When we talk about the enemy, the enemy labels, the enemy this, the enemy is not always the devil. Sometimes the biggest enemy in my life is Ryan McVitie. Sometimes the biggest enemy in your life is you. And you have adopted labels and put them on yourself, sometimes not even at anyone else's fault. But you have adopted labels like I could never do that. Like I'm broken and I'll never be whole. I'll never be free. Sometimes we do that. No one labels you like yourself. If we're being honest, let's just get real tonight, real preaching. You have counted yourself out so many times. You have said there's no way I can get that job. There's no way I can parent these kids. They are driving me nuts. I can't get 30 seconds of rest. You have gone where there's no way I can stay true to my parents. They are trying to control me. I can't live in this house anymore. I got to get out. There's no way I could do it. We love to label ourselves, my friends. And sometimes in 2023, we wear our labels like a crown. We're proud of them. We're proud of our problems and we wear them around. The only crown that you should be wearing is a crown of a son or daughter of the King of Kings. That's the only crown that the Lord wants on your head. And it's a totally different crown than the labels you put on yourself. Guys, you still have time. You still have game. You're still in the fight. The enemy needs you out of the fight because he knows how the fight ends. God is undefeated 999,000 times and oh, his only path to have you not see the promises on your life is to get you to quit. And he does it by labels, by putting labels all over. But we got to stop living by old labels that have been ripped off of us because of the cross and thrown as far as the east is from the west. That's what the Bible says about your past, about you, the labels that the enemy has put on you, that it is as far as the east is from the west, he has removed all of them. And you might say, okay, pastor, that's cool. You might be like me. You might be a little bit of a skeptic sometimes. You go, okay, that's cool. I'm down with that. But I'm a realist. I only put a label on that situation because it's actually over. Like, your preaching is cute and all, but it's over. Like, that marriage, I'm never restoring that. There's no way. Or, like, 
I'm 43 and still single, it's impossible. It's over for me to find somebody. I don't know what your story is. I don't know, but you might be like that, and you go, no, it's really over. Do you know what over means? I looked it up, and I studied it. Over, the best definition I could get, it means that there is no time left. Let me ask you a question. Did you create time? Do you get to decide how much time is left, or does God get to decide how much time is left? You think it's over because there's no time. He holds time in the palm of his hand. You don't know. Even when you think it's done, my friends, so often the half has not yet been told. You see it all over the Bible. You see it all over the scriptures. You take Joseph. Who remembers Joseph? The coat of many colors, right? The favorite son. What happened to him? He got thrown in a pit to die. Oh, but they couldn't do that. So what did they do instead? They sold him to slavery. He became a slave. Oh, what happened to him after that? He got lied about when he was just doing his best to get out of slavery, and he gets imprisoned. Do you think when any of those seasons were on, he thought that he would one day be prince and the second most powerful man in the most powerful empire in all of the world? There is no way he saw that. He had no clue he would be a prince when he was thrown into those situations. And he could have said, I'm over. It's done. And you wouldn't have blamed him. Neither would have I. His brothers betrayed him and sold him to be a slave. But the key of Joseph's story is that he didn't label it. And what happened, God worked it for his good. The Omega got to have the last word in his story. Not his brothers, not the slave traders, not the, the, the prison keepers. He didn't label it. Guys, it's not over. There is more to your story. Some of you, though, I can sense it. You're still like, really? Because you don't get it, Ryan. You don't get how bad it is. It's dead. I get your definition of over. What about dead? You ever heard of Lazarus in the Bible? That dude was completely dead. I'm not talking like, oh, his heart stopped 10 minutes ago. No, the corpse was beginning to stink, the Bible said. He was absolutely dead dead and guess what jesus christ walks in and he says get up and what's hap what happens lazarus gets up i don't know how dead your story seems but hear me when i say this premature labels kill mature blessings premature labels kill mature blessings the type of blessings that god has for you in this life are not the little trinkets like a new fancy car they're not the little trinkets like a little help on rent this week. No, no. The type of blessings God has for you are mature blessings. They are blessings that take time to grow. Maturity takes time. They are real blessings that he has for you in this life. But if you label them prematurely, you can kill them. The devil can't do it, but you can. You can kill them. See, God is on the throne not labels. But when you put your circumstances and your labels on the throne, you elevate your labels to the top place. And you put them on the throne. It's what the devil wants. He needs your focus off of who you've got and on the situation that you're in, on what you're in. You hear me preach on that all the time. It's the only way that he can win. But guys, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. 
but I hope you get excited about this because when it is God's time, you can't stop it. The enemy can't stop it. The people who put labels on you can't stop it. When it's God's time, you can't stop it. The common denominator in that dichotomy, though, is that it's God's time. It's not my time. I don't get to decide. He gets to decide. If you don't believe Ryan McVitie, that's fine. Read Proverbs 16.1. It says this. It says that we humans make plans, but the Lord has the final word. He always has the final word. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of plans for my life. And it's looking a whole lot different than the plans that I had. Because he has the last word. He has the final say. He is the one that's on the throne. And that is good news that he's on the throne. Because I tried life with me on the throne. And guess what? It didn't work out so good. I don't recommend it. Him being on the throne is good news. More good news is if you're one of those people that are skeptical of this. Because situation, the situation is so rough right now. The cards are stacked against you so incredibly. Don't forget for a moment that God is a God of the comeback. God is a God of the mismatch. You ever heard of David and Goliath? You ever heard of Joshua and the walls of Jericho? A bunch of worship leaders with trumpets bringing walls down? Come on, that's a mismatch. A shepherd harp playing boy taking down the greatest warrior in all of the Philistines? God is a God of a mismatch. If it looks like there is no way, I want to remind you tonight that it is simply just a setup. And if you will stay in the fight and you refuse to stick labels all over it, you will see victory. You will see God prevail over your story if you won't label it. The best example in the scriptures, and we're almost done, the best examples in the scriptures is this, of a, of a premature label is this. The best example is the devil viewing the cross as victory. You got to understand on Friday, when Christ went up on the cross, the devil and his demons were partying. They viewed the cross as the greatest symbol of victory ever. They have killed and defeated the Son of God. What more could the enemy and the devil ever want? But guess what? That label was premature because it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Sunday was on the way. Yeah, while the devil and his demons were partying down there in hell about Friday, God swooped down, stole the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and robbed the grave forever on Sunday. And you know how that happened? Because they prematurely labeled it. But guess what? Satan, the enemy, is not the omega. He didn't get the last word over Christ, and he won't get the last word over you. He won't get the last word over you. The Omega always has the last word. The first time that God said, it is finished in the Holy Scriptures was in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It was the sixth day after, sixth day after he built all the earth. He said, it is finished. The next time he said that was John chapter 19, verse 30, when Christ uttered his last three words and he said, it is is finished. And at that moment, sin, death, hell, and the grave would be forever diminished with those three words up on that cross. Why? Because he gets the last word. He has the final say. And that's the best part of him being the omega, is that you know he has the victory. 
That brings us to our last point. This is the one that you've been waiting for that you should be real excited about. My last point is this, you've already won. You've already won. You've already won. See, when the devil piles his labels on you and you start believing all those lies, here's what you start thinking. You start thinking that you need to earn your victory, right? Because I'm broken, so now I gotta earn a way to not be broken. I'm fragile and now I gotta fix myself. I'll never be enough, so I gotta earn a way to be enough. You don't have to earn victory, you already have victory. You already have it. Don't be deceived by the labels and forget what you have. That's the enemy's trick. If he can get enough labels on you, you can forget what you are. But if you've read the story, you know that he lost the enemy and he won your creator. That's the outcome. And that's how it's always going to end. So if you're one of the people still tonight that haven't been clapping at this good news, that's fine. I love you because I was you. I'm a skeptical person. And maybe you're not because you might say, I already got the victory. I don't feel victorious. <laughs> My life is a mess. I don't feel victorious. You might say, Pastor, how come I don't see it? I love when people ask questions. You learn best from asking questions. So if you have a question like that, you say I'm victorious, how come I don't see the victory? There's two reasons why. The first reason is this. God's promises are yes and amen. You can take him to the bank, but every promise he has comes with a process. So if you haven't seen the victory yet, it's not that you don't have it. It's just that you are in the process of seeing it. It's already done. You already have it, but you're in the process of seeing it. And if you're not seeing it after a long time, usually the problem is that. That you have allowed so many labels to be put on you and over your story and over your calling that you no longer see what you are and what you have. But tonight I want to tell you that you have permission not just from a preacher, a 34-year-old preacher in cropped cargo pants. You have permission from your creator to rip off those labels, to throw those labels away. You have permission to rip off every label that the enemy has ever put on your life. This is really hard to do with one hand, but you can do it. You can rip off every single label. Bear with me, y'all. It's happening. This is some real good prop work. You have permission to rip off every single label that has been put on your life. And you can understand that you already had the victory. You don't have to earn it. That it's already yours. That those labels that you've been allowing to get put on your life are holding you back and holding you down and keeping you from your calling, but the devil can't stop your calling. Why? Because of this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Why? Because you belong to God. You've already defeated the enemy. If you belong to God, the fight is already done. Christians, we got to get back to that. The fight is already done. You might be in the process. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but the fight is already done. Why is this a trophy 
with a whole lot of danger tape on it, which is finally gone, thank God, because a trophy signifies victory. You don't get a trophy unless you win. Well, it's 2023. Things have changed a little bit. But that's how it should be. You don't get a trophy unless you win. And you already have the trophy. But you didn't see it a minute ago. You just saw a bunch of labels. How many of us, when we get in the mirror, don't see a trophy? We just see broken. We just see fragile. We just see it's always going to be heavy. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that you don't have it. If you don't believe me, let's get creative for a minute because I'm a sneaky preacher. Real sneaky. You ready? Look down under your chair right now. You're going to feel something. Just give it a good rip. Pull it real big. Just rip it out right now. Rip it open and lift it up high for me to see it. What you got right now? You got a trophy. You know why? Because you're victorious. You didn't know you had it because it was underneath a whole bunch of stuff. But you had it the whole time. You might ask why. Why a trophy? Preacher, why did you give me a trophy from the dollar store? Because that's where I got it. It ain't gold. It's going to last about a month. But for a month, you can put that thing on your desk. You can put that thing on your night table. And every time that enemy comes in and tries to put a label on you, you remind him, hey, you lost and I won because I belong to God. And I am victorious. Get under my feet where you belong, Satan. You can quote to him from the book of Luke. You can quote to him a Bible verse from Luke chapter 10, verse 19 that says this. It's going to come up on the screen. It says this, I have given you authority to trample. Somebody trample right now, even while you're sitting in your seat. Somebody just feel the devil under your feet right now. You have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions because that's all he is to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Why? Because it's already done. You already got the victory. It's already done. You don't pray for victory. You pray from victory. It's already done. That's cool. I'm glad that worked. I thought it would fail and be a dumpster fire. Last thing before we go to worship. You know now that you have the victory. You've been reminded of the victory. But if you're not careful... Hear this warning. If you're not careful over the course of a life, premature labels can come in and cover you up so much that you don't see it. Premature labels can come in and make you forget that you hold the trophy, that you are victorious. And if you're not careful, they will harden your heart and you will get to a point where you will start to clinch your fist. And you might even get angry at your God. And you might start walking around with clenched fists. I have a son who's 17 months old. He is the apple of my eye. He's stinking awesome. He's here somewhere. Hopefully you'll see him later. His name's Maverick. He's an athlete, not an athlete, an athlete. He's athletic. He's great. He's learning sports right now. But a couple months ago, he had no idea how to catch. Great at throwing. Throw stuff in my head all the time. Great at throwing. No concept of catching. You'd throw something and you'd just hit him. 
no concept. And I had to teach him, Mav, when your father is trying to give you something, you can't stand with this kind of posture. Or it's just going to hit you and bounce off of you, and you're not going to be able to receive it. Premature labels will get you to a place where you start clenching your fist, and you don't even expect anything coming down from your father anymore. I had to teach my son that when I have a ball, you got to get a position that looks less like fist and more like faith. And now, when I have a ball and Maverick sees me, he just comes up to me. <laughs> what if we had that kind of childlike faith? And that we would run to our Father, not with fists clenched and hardened hearts, accepting all the labels and lies that have been spoken over our life. And we turned our fists into faith. And we lifted our hands up to the heavens from where our help comes from to the hills. And we just expected that something was coming. Because it is. You are victorious. But when your fists are clenched, you can't receive it. I just wonder what would happen if we could change our fists to faith. You got a chance to do that right now because we're not out of here. We get to worship a little more. So would you put down that beautiful trophy I gave you or lift it up high. I don't care. You do you and stand up onto your feet because we're going to go back into worship. And my prayer for you is this, that you would let go of that clenched fist and I don't necessarily mean that you got to raise your hands to worship God. That's, that's not what I mean. But it is sometimes symbolic of your heart. For years in worship, I wouldn't raise my hand. And you know why? I'll give you transparency. Two reasons. One, I thought I wasn't, a, I thought I wasn't real enough to do that. I was like, no, nah, the way I've been living, I can't raise my hands. I can't do that. Number two, I was worried what people thought of me. I was worried what labels they would put on me if I lifted my hands in worship. They're going to think I'm some crazy Pentecostal. The Baptist people are laughing right now. But y'all, it's not Pentecostal. It's not Baptist. It's surrender. It's God. I'm done walking around with clenched fists. I'm done accepting the labels that the enemy is putting on me. So I want to encourage you tonight. In a minute, we're going to worship. And would you just open up your heart? Would you rip off those labels? You are enough because he says you are. You will be made whole because he promises it. In fact, he gives you double for all your trouble. If you will see it. You could have left here tonight, every single one of you, and never knowing that you, were, you had a trophy under your seat. Every now and then we, re we need a reminder that we already have victory. You already have it. The manufacturer is the only one that gets to put a label on you. And it's not a cheap sticker. He etches it on your heart. It has been etched on your heart. The labels that you should be clinging to are ones like this, that you're a new creation, that you're a child of God, that you're an heir in his kingdom, that you are now a saint, that you are adopted into his family. How about this one? That you are free and free indeed, and nothing is going to hold you down anymore.
So tonight we're going to worship. And we're going to worship good. Because we're ripping off labels. And we're putting them down under our feet. Where the snake and scorpion belongs. Where you've been given authority to trample him. Because someone in this room needed to hear tonight that you are not your past trauma. I know it happened. I'm not minimizing it. I know it's hard. I'm not saying it won't be hard, but it's not who you are. You are God's child. You are his son. You are his daughter. That's the only label. I know you've done some stuff, but you are forgiven. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you are forgiven, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the best label that ever could be placed anywhere. My friends, if there is breath in your lungs today, then it's not over. Because you're not the omega. The enemy's not the omega. I'm not the omega. And no one will get the last word in your life other than your creator. And he has spoken promises over you. To never leave you. To never abandon you. To never forsake you, plans of a hope and a future to prosper your life, not to harm you. Accept those labels tonight. Rip off the other ones. You've already won the victory. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Accept his promises tonight. Lift your hands right now. Let go of that clenched fist.